Welcome to Coach Speak, presented and co-hosted by Edward Jones Financial Advisor and Marquette Catholic High School Varsity Basketball Coach Steve Medford. I'm Nick Dar. In this episode, we'll talk to Jerseyville Boys Varsity Basketball Coach Stoat Reader. He'll tell us more about his coaching philosophy, being a three-sport star in high school, and winning a national title at the college level. This episode of Coach Speak with Steve Medford starts in 20 seconds. To win in sports, you must focus on your strategy as the game changes. The same is true of investments. I'm Steve Medford, your Ever Jones Financial Advisor, and I can help. Call 498-8523. Ever Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Welcome to Coach Speak. Pleased to be joined in this episode by Jerseyville Boys Basketball Coach Stoat Reader. Also, I should mention Jerseyville Girls Golf Coach Stoat Reader joining us on the phone. So, or on the Zoom meeting. Stoat, how are you this evening? Doing well. How about yourself? Good, good. And uh, Steve Medford, of course, here with us as well. Steve, uh, thanks for dialing in as always. I appreciate it, man. You know, I I, I got a good introduction for um, Coach Reader. You know, he's a good friend. He's a good coach. Um, he runs the Princeton offense, which is likable in my book. And he loves the game of basketball. He still thinks MJ is uh, the GOAT. And he's the only person in our podcast that has a national championship. So, that's a pretty good resume right there, right, Stoke? Yeah, I mean, I don't know who else has been on your podcast, but I do have one, yes. <laughs> and you're right, MJ is still the GOAT. I don't think it. I know it. <laughs> is that a debate that's even going on? I, who who's else is even in the conversation? Well, I mean, when you talk to people like Ty Locks or people like that, they might say different things, but they I don't know, they've They've been hit the head too many times. <laughs> I'm with Stoat on this one, man. MJ's got – he's definitely the GOAT. The, the, LeBron, the, the competitiveness of MJ just – it separates it for me. I mean, it, not only that, but just the dude was unbelievable. So, Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess guys our age, us uh, older fellows in our forties, we all think MJ's the best, probably. But uh, well, well, tell us about. Let's start with uh, tell us about the national championship. Now I'm intrigued. I got to hear about that. <laughs> well, I played my college basketball at Eureka College in Eureka, Illinois, and uh, I mean Ronald Reagan is still the most famous alumni and still the greatest thing to happen to Eureka College. But I think our basketball team in 1994 gets second. Uh, we won the NAIA national championship out in uh, a little town called Nampa, Idaho, just about a half an hour north of Boise. Um, we were there only 24 schools in the nation make the tournament. Um, we were the only non-scholarship school there uh, of the 24. Eureka decided not to give athletic scholarships back then. And we, uh, beat the host school, uh, Northwest Nazarene. It was about a 6,000 seat gym. The gym was packed and we had 52 fans. Um, so to win that game in the final four was pretty awesome. And then we won the, we beat a, a school that's now an NCAA division two school, um, Northern state out of South Dakota. Uh, we beat them in overtime for the national championship. And unfortunately for them, it was their second consecutive runner up. They lost the championship game in 93 also. So if so, you go to Eureka, you're going to see Ronald Reagan, Ben Zobrist, and the 1994 National Championship, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Zobrist, Zobrist went to Eureka High School. He didn't go to Eureka College, but yes, those would be the signs on the outside of town. <laughs> That's hilarious. 
I had no yeah. idea Zobras. That's cool. Yeah, he went to high school there. Well, tell us a little bit about your your athletic career growing up. I don't know any coach that uh, that's a coach today that didn't grow up playing sports in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, my parents always raised me as uh, play all of them all the time, and and that's what I did. I uh, really loved baseball when I was really little, um, and from what I understand, I don't remember, but I could actually hit the ball then. As I got older, I could never hit it. Um, so baseball became my least favorite sport because it was too hard to hit it. Um, played football in high school as well and, uh, had a pretty good high school basketball career and football career at Sullivan high school in Sullivan, Illinois. Um, our senior year, we were 25 and two. We got upset in the regional final game by an Arthur team. That was really good, but we had beaten them twice. Um, and I guess, what is that? 27 years later, that still haunts my dreams occasionally because <laughs> that was the year that uh the Staunton Bulldogs won the class a state title and it was kind of an upset the entire way and to sit in champagne and watch you know a team that we knew we could have beaten or could have played right with anyway uh that was a that was a tough one but uh um yeah I went to Sullivan High School and then like I've already said went to Eureka College we won the championship in 94 and um uh, I ended up with a, I scored, I think I finished the, my career at number nine in scoring there, uh, number nine in assists as well. And I was actually inducted to the Hall of Fame there in 2007. So I'm pretty proud of my uh, career. Um, when you look at me now, you'd never guess I played college basketball. I've let myself go a little more than I wish I would have, but uh, <laughs> I think that's probably what most of us do, except Steve. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what position did you play in football and basketball? I was in football as a wide receiver and a, a free safety uh, basketball is always a point guard or a two guard, which whichever was necessary at the time. I don't know why I was picturing a, a lefty QB uh, in, in high school. But. <laughs> well, I'm only a lefty golfer. I throw everything right-handed. Um, but we had a, our quarterback, my junior year was really good. And he had, he, he had the early nineties mullet going. He had hair coming out of the back of his helmet. And he's actually still um, a bit of a rock star down in Austin, Texas. He's been, he plays heavy metal bands and stuff like that, but he could really throw it. So I was the beneficiary of a very good quarterback as a junior. And then our senior year, we had uh, a, another pretty good one who ran it really. He's like running back playing quarterback, but he could throw it a little bit too. So quarterback was never in the cards for me. So when did you get bit by the, uh, the coaching bug? Was it right out of college? Um, actually in high school, we had, uh, we our we had a history teacher named Matt Crock and, uh, uh, actually two history teachers. The other one, uh, by the name of Judd Cameron, who just passed away this morning, uh, at 85 years old, I believe, who started what was called the fourth, fifth and sixth grade basketball program. And I played in it as a little kid, but the high school basketball players always coached it. So it was always, it was so cool when you were in fourth, fifth and sixth grade to see your your Sullivan Redskin heroes um, coaching you out there. And, you know, they would have – they put us through drills the first couple of weeks, and then they'd have a draft, and they'd pick teams. And and then when I became a high school player, I got to be a coach in it, and I just loved it. Um, when I went to Eureka, I actually was a physical therapy and biology major. Um, I planned on trying to make some money when I was older, but I couldn't get rid of the idea of being a coach. And – I knew it was going to be much easier to become a coach if I was a teacher. And that was against my mother's wishes, who was a 
music teacher for 35 years. Um, and unfortunately for her, all three of her kids became teachers. So none of us can buy her a house when, when she retires, but, uh, um, that's what got me into it. I just, I, I, I just love coaching basketball back. I obviously, I just love basketball, but, uh, coaching those little kids really, uh, made me love it. And then through college, my, <clears throat> my college coach, uh, is a, he's in the basketball hall of fame and he, he used to run just enormous summer camps and there'd be three weeks long, three different sessions a week each. And if you played on the Eureka college team, you had to be a camp coach there. And I just, I really enjoyed it. And back then the high school team camps, the coaches couldn't coach their players in the summer. So as a college player, we were assigned to one of the high school teams and we actually were the, were the bench coach of a varsity team while the actual head coach was across the, on the other side of the gym floor, keeping the score. And now they would, when they would get upset, they would voice their opinion and yell at us to, you know, to whatever we were supposed to do. But uh, I, I just, I got to know a lot of good high school coaches through Eureka camp and uh, got to just made a lot of lifelong connections through this profession. That's a, that's an interesting concept because I think uh, teaching is a great way to, to learn things. Like you, you learn things a lot deeper when you know you have to teach it to somebody else. <laughs> that's for sure. I, uh, every time I get assigned a new te- a new class to teach, I get nervous, uh, and I I have to I have to relearn. And a lot of times, the basics of the math part of it all is isn't bad. But to relearn or teach myself what I've got to you know right now, I teach a tech math class, and I'm only in the second year teaching, and it's it's math for the trades. And uh, I'm not a real I don't really know much about the you know your plumbing, welding, construction, that kind of stuff. And so I've had to I've had to learn some of that stuff and research some of that. It's been interesting. Hey, Stoke, now let me ask you a question. Who, who would you say probably was your biggest mentor or someone that you really looked up to? Was it your college coach that really kind of got you down that path or somebody that was somebody that probably you looked up to the most? Yeah. Uh, you know, what's funny, my eighth grade basketball coach, a guy by the name of Mark DeVore, um, left a lasting impression on me. He was um, – he was a real hard nosed coach. He, uh, when you, when you die, we had a rubber floor in our junior high. And anytime you get on the floor, you get, you get floor burns. <clears throat> and he called those trophies and, um, and he would come in locker room after games and or after practices. And he would count everybody's trophies on their body. Like it was, you, you came <laughs> in the locker room. Like if you weren't bruised up and, and skinned up, then, you know, you weren't getting any praise from coach DeVore and that, he really taught me because that's the way I played. I led, even though I was a good scorer and, and, you know, good offensive player, I took pride in the fact that I always led our teams in charges and stuff like that. I wasn't a tremendous defender uh, because some of my philosophy was if I score 25 and you only get 15, I guarded you. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, 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 I took a lot of pride in getting on the floor and that came from coach DeVore. And in fact, uh, to go full circle, the house we live in right now here in Jerseyville um, was was owned by Dave and Tanya Varble, and their daughter Sarah is married to Coach DeVore's son Adam. Which is oh man, that is that is crazy. crazy. The first day we walked, and I and I knew this because I coached Jake Varble, but uh, when I walked in the door to look at this house, I see a picture on the on the table in the front room, and it looked like Coach DeVore because Adam had grown up so much, uh, and it just it, it threw me a little bit. But wow, yeah, that's, that's I, cool. I was actually just having a captain's meeting today. I still have basketball captains, even though our 
season's on hold. Um, and I like to meet with them on Mondays. And one of the things I talked about today was my high school coach who, you know, through four years of playing for him, three years on the varsity and two years starting, I probably got a less than a handful of compliments from him. He was a Bobby Knight disciple and, and he taught me toughness. But the one thing I was throwing my captains today, um, we had a, we always do a little Google meet right now is he, it, what, he didn't compliment me much, but I'll never forget sitting on the stage uh, in the summertime before my senior year. And he looked at me and said, this is your team. And if Jake Hagan messes up, I'm going to chew your butt. And if Jason Moody messes up, I'm going to chew your butt. And if Jason Wildman messes up, I'm going to chew your butt. I was, I was the only senior starter on the team. So it was my job to hold all the younger guys accountable. <clears throat> and he backed that up. Was, every time one of my teammates made a mistake, I got it. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's, it's a, le- it's worse to this day. He was at our, he was at our game in Taylorville in the regional. He come, he tries to come to as many games as he can, even though he lives in Clinton, Illinois. Um, and I just, I, he's always been like another family member to me. Uh, and then of course you, you know, you, you have a different relationship with your college coaches cause you're becoming an adult then. And they, and you have a little more adult conversations with them and, and, and things like that. But uh, my, my, the college coach, Dave Darnell, that recruited me, retired after we won the championship, and, and his assistant, Coach Dighton, um, was my coach for three years. And, um, again, another Bobby Dight disciple. So I was, I was coached by a lot of uh, hard-nosed, tough, you know, you're not going to get any compliments from them, um, uh, kind of guys, real strict disciplinary. And so it, it really molded – kind of the way I coach too. Yeah. And Nick, I'll say this about, about, about Stoke, you know, one thing I, you know, I'm a Jerseyville guy, Jerseyville native. And one thing about being around Jerseyville is, you know, you, you get to hear players, you get, you get to see a lot of the players, you know, a lot of the kids. And the one thing I always the, I admire most about Stoke is you always hear his players speak so very highly of him. And um, that says a lot, you know, cause I wish most, I wish my kids and I hope my kids talk, about me like they talk about coach reader. So uh, that says a lot about you coach. Well, that's a really nice thing to say. I appreciate it. And uh, I really value the relationships I have with the kids. Cause you know, one of the reasons is I still have a relationship with my college coaches and my high school coach. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's pretty meaningful. Uh, so Sullivan high school, Eureka college, how'd you end up at Jerseyville? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh Cause I was desperate. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> it's funny. I, I, I left college and I went back home. My, I got a job offer there. So I was an assistant coach and a math teacher there for three years. And then I was up in Flanagan, a little bitty town up North of Bloomington for four years. And I hadn't got my master's yet and I hadn't even started it. And when you look at our teaching, our pay scale, you just, you see the money you're throwing away each year by not having your master's and all the, the more money you could make by just having that degree. So I, I left Flanagan and I actually took a year off of teaching and coaching with SIUE uh, in 2004. And spring of 05, I'm, I, you know, I only was going to take one year off, but I got over half my master's completed. And, and uh, so now I'm looking for jobs and I really like the Metro East area. I'd never lived down here. Um, I was always partial to the Peoria area and uh the Jerseyville job was open with a math teaching position. And so was the Columbia job. And I interviewed at both places and I was kind of partial to the Columbia job because it was back then it was a two class system. 
and they were a class A team and I'd only ever coached class A and Jerseyville is a really small double A. Um, but Jim Whiteside and Bonnie Tunga called me, uh, with a job offer. And at, you know, at the time I had no job, I didn't feel like I could wait on Columbia. So uh, I took the Jerseyville job. And to be honest, I thought this was a two or three year stop for me and then I'd move on. And, uh, you know, the best thing that could ever happen to me was I met my wife, uh, in May of 05, we were married New Year's Eve of 05. <laughs> and, and here we have three kids now and, and we, and, you know, I'm in year 16 at Jerseyville. So it was, uh, I took it as a desperate person looking for a job and, uh, it became the best decision I ever made. When did you get the varsity, uh, basketball coaching gig here at Jerseyville? Yeah. As soon as I got, yeah, as soon that's, as you got, that's, that's what, was, I, that's what yeah. you hired for. What do you remember yeah. about the first day of practice there? You're pretty young coach at the time, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it was, uh, it was, funny we were in that old gym I, I was my first semester here was the old gym um so just a tiny little gym like i was used to up at flanagan i was you know four years at a, a 800 seat gym in flanagan and uh sullivan didn't hold much more and you know and so i felt kind of at home in that little gym but uh you know now i'm I've, i'm coaching a double a team and i'm looking at our schedule and we're about to go our first game is in two weeks and it's against alton and just the previous year, I was down at SIUE, and I'm watching Alton play Carbondale in the super sectional game. And it's like – Steve was actually one of the coaches for Alton. And they had a kid named Kavon Lacey that uh, – Yeah. You know, the little I'd seen of him, he was he, he was far and away the best player I was I had ever coached against at that point. And, of course, Lee Bennett was, uh, you know – I hate to say this to make his head get bigger, but he was legendary even then 15 years ago. You know, he was, he's one of the most respected and maybe the best high school coach in, in, in the state. And, uh, I've, and all of a sudden it's just, it's just such a different dynamic here, uh, than it was up at Flanagan. Um, and you, I, I really learned by taking this job, how much I had to prepare day in and day out for, for the, our next opponent because everybody was, everybody was good, you know, up at Flanagan, we had, we had 10 or 12 wins on the schedule and here at Jerseyville teams were looking at us as one of their wins on the schedule. So we had, to, we had to take care we had to take or you know, turn the tables on that. And uh, in fact, I'll, I'll never forget that first game down at Alton. Uh, we actually had Alton down by seven after the first mm -hmm. possession of the fourth quarter, Zach Ficker went baseline, got a layup and got fouled and put us up seven. And the Alton coaches called the timeout. Steve was in this timeout. Uh, and I'm over here on the, on the sideline feeling real good about ourselves. And I'm thinking, I'm going to outsmart him. I'm going to throw a little one-two-two trap on him. Just one possession. Try to get a turnover. And I forgot that they had the best point guard uh, in the south. And Kevon Lacey picked us apart. They got a three. And I think we ended up losing by 15. <laughs> so we lost <laughs> We lost the fourth quarter by 22. <laughs> Steve must have really done some good coaching in that timeout, I guess. Yeah. So what would, you, what would you think, I mean, being at Jerseyville for 16 years, um, two-tier question here. What do you think probably your best moment was? And probably what do you think changed most since day one to now? Oh, well, best moment, I mean, it's got to be the 2010 regional championship. Uh we had lost a triad twice that year, both times by 30 plus, And we turned around and beat them in the regional championship down at Highland. Um, 
that team was, uh, it, it was, I don't know. I, I, I think you could almost call that team a little bit of an underachieving regular season team. Mm-hmm. Sam Ficker was a really good player. One of the best we've had. Matt Murphy was a sophomore who ended up being our all-time leading scorer. Brad Rucker was a big anchor to our defense. Yeah, I remember we him. just weren't, we weren't real deep and we didn't have a lot of guards on that team. Um, and it took us a long time to find our way, but uh, that was that was had to be the best moment. We won the 08 regional championship too, which was great. But uh, the, the the opponent in that one, being Triad and being that they'd beaten us by 60 total points earlier in the year, uh, it was pretty awesome. I don't know what's changed the most. Um, it's well, you know, we're four classes now. Yep. So, you know, you feel like in 3A. You don't have to play Edwardsville, Alton, Collinsville, you know, those kind of teams. So for there for a while, you felt like year in and year out, you got a real chance to win the regional. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, who knows? And then right. East St. Louis drops an enrollment. And mm-hmm. now it's like you're fighting as hard as you can just to not be in East St. Louis's side of the regional. <laughs> you right. know? Um, and, you know, Altoff had their run and Cahokia had their run. There was a run there. There was a little while there where coming out of our subsectional, we either there, uh, there was a team that came out of our state subsection made Peoria like five straight years uh, or six or something like that. And, you know, Centralia got up there once and, and each of them made it to that championship game. And, you know, just, it's such good basketball around here, especially at the two a and three a level. I mean, it's, we just spoke with uh, Joe Parmentier who just got inducted into the hall of fame. Um, and, and we were talking a little bit about just the way the game's officiated and, and it's so physical anymore. Any changes you'd like to see? And and if you were king of basketball for a day, what, what, what changes would you implement? Um, first and foremost, I think that, and I know this is, this rule has been around since the game basketball was invented. Um, but we are the only sport where a referee can can make five whistles and take one of take a player out of a game. Uh, I, th- I I just hate the fact that kids can foul out of a basketball game. I've always hated it. I think there's better ways to do it. You know, if the foul limit's got to be five, then when you're when a kid picks up his sixth foul, then it's two shots in the ball or something. If that kid fouls or something, I just think it's crazy that there's been so many games and Steve's had to deal with this too, where especially in high school basketball, you're not you're, you know we're not out recruiting, we're not out. Uh, um, uh, we don't get to pick our players. We're de- we, 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 deal, we play the card that's, their cards that are dealt to us. And sometimes we might only be six or seven deep. But if one of those kids picks up two fouls two minutes into the game, that's a big blow. You can't play that kid for the next, you know, 13 minutes. Um, and I would love to see rules change with, with individual fouls. I, I, you know, my, my idea is to, is to give two shots in the ball if, if a kid picks up a sixth or a seventh or whatever like that. And then I think that high school basketball needs a shot clock. Uh, I think it's, I think we desperately need a shot clock. So those are the two things I would, if I was king of, of basketball, that's what I would do. I agree with you on the shot clock. I was just talking to, when we talked to Coach Parmentier about it, you know, I, I think it would favor a, a more well-prepared team and a, and a defensive team. You know, if, you, if you're really solid defensively and, and it gets down to that eight to ten second mark, you're going to force a lot of teams to do some bad shots. And also I Absolutely. think it's I also think it'll prepare a guy like that's really well prepared, a team that's prepared well. When it gets down to eight seconds, the team that executes well with that eight seconds left to go 
I think it, it, it favors a guy that puts in the work and I'm, I'm kind agree. of, you know, yeah, I agree. I think like you said, the defense part, I mean, you and I both value mm-hmm. defense and team defense so much. And if, uh, I, I wonder how many possessions we've guarded for 45 to 60 seconds, you know, and then, and then and a team can just run offense or hold the ball for that long or whatever. And then they can still end up getting the shot or getting a good shot. But like you said, if there's a 35 second shot clock, you guard for 30 seconds really well. They're getting yep. your sports in a bad shot. And, mm-hmm. and if you, you know, we've always in your teams too, we've always rebounded well. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you can force a lot of bad shots, you got a real good chance of getting that stop because you're going to get the rebound. I absolutely, I'm with you. I, I I'm hundred percent behind that. So, Oh, let me ask this question, coach. Um, I know it's a tough one here. You're Mount Rushmore of the kid you've coached. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> tough one. <clears throat> so that's four. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's really tough. Uh, I've had you know when you're here this long, you've coached a lot of really really good players, and inevitably they come back and they get into discussions with you and ask you who your your best player is, and I I refuse to answer that question. Um, you don't have to I don't want to, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but if I have to choose four, um, and this is an absolutely no particular order <laughs> and I'm going to leave Zach thicker off of it, even though he might've been one of the most talented simply because I only got him for one year. So yeah. I'll, I'll cop out there, but Zach could really play. Uh, but I think, I think it's gotta be in no order. Sam Ficker, Matt Murphy, Kyle Steckel. And I think it's got to be Zach Reidenauer. Yeah, Zach was a good one, too. I mean, Zach, could, he scored over 1,000 points in two years. And I made him guard. Like, uh, yep. he always had to guard somebody really good on the perimeter. Um, and that leaves out, you know, kids like Jake Varble and Luke Shively and, like mm-hmm. I said, Zach Ficker and, uh, you know, some of them. But, yeah, I, I, I think yeah. that would be. You've had some strong boys. You know, I mean, you look at yeah. Marble, I mean, he's had some strong boys that played some basketball. But um, Yeah, I've actually had more kids go on to play college football than college basketball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Talk a little bit about both. Maybe both of you can answer this. Your role when it comes to your basketball players performing in the classroom in addition to, to on the floor. Yeah, it's a, it's a massively important role. And I, you know, I have an advantage over like a guy like Steve because I, mm-hmm. I'm in the school with these kids. I get to see them all the time. I think um, what Steve do, does, there's a higher degree of difficulty what he does because he's not in the building all the time. So he, he has less time than I do to build these relationships with these kids, and he does such a good job of it. And I can't, I, I, I'm quite sure that he's never had a kid academically ineligible. I, I could be wrong, but um, – it's, it's, it's a, it's a huge deal. And I was just saying the other day with this, with the way this pandemic and the way they've built our school schedule, I actually have from one fifteen to three thirty with no classes, it's all planning period and it's helping our remote students, uh, in, in, in person students can come into my room and get help. I get tons of kids, geometry kids right now coming in for help. And the whole time I'm thinking, man, I could have, basketball study tables like college court like college coaches do and Mm -hmm. and, you know and the other thing I like I do is uh anytime you have anything less than a c if you if you show up in the report card or on the on the weekly progress report with less than a c um 
you've got to run what's called net laps in our gym. Our gym's pretty big and there's seven rims and you got a two foot jump and two, two hand touch the nets or the rim, depending on your ability and height. Um, and it's like 10 of them for a D and 15 of them for an F or something like that. And if they have multiple, then they, you know, they just add up all those net laps and you have to do that before you can even start to practice. You know, we might start practice, but you got to be running those net laps. Um, and I don't know that that is a full deterrent, but, but, you know, we, I think building relationships with the kids and, and getting them to trust you that you, that you're doing what's best for them. And if you're punishing them, if they believe you're doing what's best for them and they get punished for having a D, then I think they're going to work really hard to get that D up. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, I've just been blessed with, and and I'm sure Steve has too, with great, you know, my kids are brought up by really great families who value grades too. So it makes my job a lot easier. Well, maybe it's only a problem for me because I'm old. This might not be a problem for high school kids, but Stowe, especially you, I mean, every road game for you is pretty far away. So you're getting home pretty late every night. Oh, you're not kidding. It's, it's awful. Uh, and in fact, after being here for so long, you start to build your schedule around shorter bus rides. And, you know, we have, we have Carrollton and Southwestern on our schedule and they're shorter bus rides. And <laughs> Uh, we actually just got out of the – we would have played in the Roxana Thanksgiving tournament instead of the Centralia tournament. And it wasn't that we wanted to get out of Centralia. They treated us great over there. Um, of course, Centralia loved having us there because we couldn't beat them. But <laughs> Roxana, you know, less than a half an hour down the road, and Centralia is almost two. So, you're, yeah, geographically we're in a tough spot. But I, I, re- I couldn't help but notice that interstate's getting close to us. Like they're really, they're really working on that. Especially, Hopefully I attract some more kids up here, Stoke. Right. I hope. <laughs> Get them wearing Jerseyville blue instead of Marquette blue. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, especially uh, in the Mississippi Valley, though. I mean, you've got CM that's not very far away, but everybody else is probably at least yeah, an hour everybody else is An hour or more. Yeah, going to Waterloo is no fun, and we've always had to play them on a Tuesday. So, <laughs> yeah, that's it's, – it is. It's, it's, it's long bus rides, and, and – my uh, my group last year, and maybe a little bit the year before, but mostly my group last year, they enjoyed morning practices. I don't know why, but they did. And we would practice on Wednesday mornings, and we'd actually have a great Wednesday morning practice, maybe watch a half an hour of film as soon as school's out, and they're out at 4. And they loved the fact that from 4 o'clock on Wednesday till 3.30 on Thursday, they were away from basketball. And – it really, Steve and I actually talked about this last weekend about how sometimes those morning practices, while they may not like to get up, um, it can actually benefit them rest wise. And I, that's, that's one thing I've, as I've gotten older, I've taken, you know, our bus trips in, into, into account and some of the practices into account. And I've really toned down the just getting on the line and running uh, because basketball, you're getting in shape anyway. If you're playing the right way, you're going to be in shape. Um, and, and getting rest is, is so important because they, the IHSA keeps adding games to our schedule. We're playing 32 games now if you fill, fill your schedule. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it, it's a long season, just like you said. You know, I heard, um, you know, Crumweedy at, at Carrollton would never practice more than two days in a row. Really? So, yeah, never practiced more than two days in a row. So if he had a, if he had a game on Friday night and nothing on Tuesday, he'd go Monday, Tuesday, off Wednesday. No kidding. Yeah. So he would believe, believe in that he never did more than two days in a row for practicing. So 
Yeah, I've heard that from a few people, but it is interesting that the longer you kind of go in this and, and as long as the season is, you know, I, last year was the first year I did morning practices and I, I was pleasantly surprised at the energy and, and the kids yeah. wanted to be in there and they got it done. And then they knew that they were off. Just like Stope said, they were off for almost another whole day, day, day yeah. and a half. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you can you imagine, especially with, with as good as you are, getting your kids to execute the offense you guys run, taking mm-hmm. a day off? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would be tough. It I know. Tough. Golly, yeah, I, t- I tell you, it's something. So, Just a couple minutes left with Jerseyville coach Stote Reader. And, and Stote, I wanted to mention, Steve said one of the things he liked about you is that you run the Princeton offense. One of the things I like about you is you're a Cub <laughs> fan, so – yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, uh, we are two. We're two of the very few. Uh, yep. in a, a loud, loud minority down here. That's especially right. Especially since sixteen. You know, Steve. Uh, Steve gets a lot of credit for what the Princeton offense I run. Uh, not a lot of guys would do this, and and Steve. He's not like a lot of guys. He actually came to our gym uh, two summers ago and help me install that offense because I've been, I've admired that offense since 2005 when I played that Alton game, I had never played against the team that ran it. I'd only seen it, you know, with, with with some college teams that would play it or whatever. And I just admired it. I was scared of it. I didn't think I could learn it. And as I got older, I wanted to put it in, but I, again, I I was scared of it. I thought, man, I'm just, I'm too old to, I'm set my ways and I really wish I'd have done it when uh, Blake Whitman and his crew was juniors and Jake Ridenauer was a senior because that was going to be a, a growing pain year. And, and I just didn't have the guts to do it. And finally, uh, after I lost that group, uh, I talked to Steve a lot about it. I watched a lot of film and, and Steve actually is the main guy that helped me put it in and the guy I've leaned on the most. So uh, he's, he's when I, when he, when he asked me about guys I admire and, and, Stuff like that. He's one of them. <laughs> I appreciate that, Stone. I really appreciate yeah. that. So. Well, it really is a fraternity. I mean, when you're you're a coach of a basketball team or any sport, it's even when you're you're trying to beat each other when you play each other. But uh, off the court, I think there's some real friendships developed. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, some of my best friends are, are I've I've met through basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, Stoke, man. Uh, appreciate all you do for the Jerseyville kids. And, you know, you've done a great job. And, you know, I, I get it. The, the thing I, I, I said it earlier, but the thing that I always admire is, you know, no matter what, if he wins 20 games or if he wins 10 games or 12 games, the, the kids always admire him. They admire the program and admire what he does. And, and that's what it's all about at the end of the day is, is getting young guys to, to become accountable dudes. And, and I think you do a really good job with that. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. And you do too. So thanks, thanks so much for, for joining us and uh, best of luck for a uh, hopefully a lot of more years uh, coaching. Yeah, thank coach. you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Coach Speak with Edward Jones Financial Advisor Steve Medford this week featuring Jerseyville Boys Varsity Basketball Coach Stout Reader. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to the podcast wherever podcasts are heard.